Welcome to Ride Home Reactions, the 20-minute show where we react to the movie we just saw. Why 20 minutes? Because that's how long it takes us to drive home. I'm David Ells, video production guy for InTheCarMedia.com. And I am Jill Rogatti, theater lady from SoapAndRopeTheater.com. We saw a movie on our first date and liked talking about it together so much that we got married. Was it worth it? You decide! All right, we just saw Isn't It Romantic? And on the count of three, we'll give our one to ten rating. Uh-huh, uh-huh. One, two, three. Five. point five. Muy similar. Yeah, I, I was hoping to give it higher. I want to give it higher because I was afraid of this movie falling into a lot of traps that I think other movies that are similar fall into and it didn't it avoided a lot of them and so I wanted to praise it with a higher score <laughs> but I couldn't because the script was not very good in my opinion I agree yeah the the very loose concept was good yeah um, nothing nothing like mind-blowing original right but that's okay. It's a good concept. Yeah. Which made for a good trailer. I'm in a romantic comedy, and it's effing PG-13 with, like, you know, some sound effect. Beeping bleep, her bleeping her, yeah. <laughs> um, so, that, yeah, you know, that, that's kind of a, the the movie in a nutshell. And, yeah, it just felt like, uh, you know, it was amateurishly directed, and, um, yeah, the dialogue was pretty awful. And, like, whenever they were trying to make a thematic point it was very heavy handed I think I, I in some ways I give it a pass because I think it probably resonates a lot with like middle schoolers who kind of needed or to high be high school yeah it could even a little be bit harder. a little bit older yeah I think I didn't really think about that but um I think the audience is a little bit younger than me it's nice though when a movie like that can be for both the teenager and their parent who may or may not be with them mm-hmm and it was it was fun when it worked, and then I found myself wishing, yeah, more capable hands had kind of brought it across the finish line. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, for instance, I think the funniest joke that they had in the whole movie was when he's... <laughs> when she's hit her head and she's in <laughs> her romantic comedy world... And the attractive development guy uh-huh. uh, is like falling for her, and he brings her to her house, and he says, "Call me," and pulls a rose out of the florist <laughs> next door, and writes a number on a different number on a different petal, and then sprinkles, <laughs> pulls the petals <laughs> off the rose, and just sprinkles them into her hat. <laughs> in no particular order <laughs> I thought was one of the funniest things uh-huh. I've seen in a little while so that's a great example of like take romantic comedy like that's making fun of romantic comedies like serendipity you know yeah, like right. that just have these impossible literally impossible like, magical type moments that are not earned at all whatsoever uh-huh. so that was satisfying and I felt like there could have been so many more. Yeah. Like, great, you're capable of writing that joke. <laughs> Write more of those. Yeah. 
So it was just it was pretty disappointing how the the peaks and the valleys the valleys yeah. were deeper than the peaks. There's a uh, UCB idea, I guess, the, an improv term called A to C, and it's kind of it's like you're trying to develop a muscle as an improviser to instead of going from A to B to skip B and go to C. So you kind of like you got there before the audience did. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're you're trying you're you're used to what the rhythms are of improv, and so you can very quickly get to the the punchline um, in a surprising way. Because I think, you know, with a sophisticated audience, they're going to be like, I saw that joke coming. And uh, this movie just went from A to B every time. Yeah. Um, like there's, like you said, like the, the little tropes to make fun of. She says like, okay, but what time are you going to pick me up? You know, like the, the idea is that in romantic comedies, you never, that no one's ever like, dwelling in the minutia of making plans and figuring out like things just kind of happen because it's fantasy and everything's exciting all the time but to just go to just say literally oh it is we need to make these plans that's going from a to b right, like, there's right. no actual punchline there except that they're just vaguely observing that romantic comedies skip that part right. so like you said the the writing the number on the flower petals that's an a to c moment uh-huh, and I, uh-huh. I would have liked to see a lot of those jo- jokes punched up to, so that they um you know kind of made better jokes than what like literally us as an audience could have imagined i want to just observe that david just gave us a pretty darn good improv lesson <laughs> david ells <laughs> who <laughs> has probably read more about improv than I ever have, but I don't think has ever I've done, never done improv. It, no. <laughs> I listen to podcasts about it. And learns a lot from yeah. podcasts. <laughs> yeah. So he has a pretty dark and, good and understanding. This is, but this isn't even just improv in general. That's specifically <clears throat> UCB brand improv. Comedy writing. Because there's, there's improvisers who would say, A to C, what is this? Is it just sure, a joke sure, factory? Sure. Improvising is way more than just jokes, so. That's, yeah, I'm no, just specifically speaking about UCB <laughs> I just enjoyed, improv. I just enjoyed that. <laughs> I just don't want people thinking that I <laughs> think I know about improv because I know what UCB does. <laughs> I read Keith Johnstone, okay? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or it was like the joke was there, but then they muddled, they muddied the joke by adding a bunch of stuff that they didn't need. And then once the joke came, no one cared about it anymore. I'm trying to think of a good example of that, but... Or even when the payoff, or the payoff, you know, the, there's the whole setup of the pedals. I guess you wouldn't have to have the pedals pay off, but you know it's going to. Right. It was it was weird how she actually did it. It was almost like she was too knowing about it or, yeah. you know, why did she have them in her pocket if she thought it was so ridiculous? And then she kind of believes in it and like blows on them and then drops them on the ground as opposed to... Everything else, she's, like, rolling her eyes at everything else in the universe. Right. So I kind of wanted her to be like, oh, like, I have an idea. Pull out the pedals and be like, this is so ridiculous. And just toss them. And then they form the number. You know? And then have her be like, of course. Yeah. Of course. Because I'm in this ridiculous world. Because instead, they think that their punchline is when he picks up. Right. Like, as if that would be the moment that we were like, oh, wow, it really did work. No. Clearly, the pedal's falling in perfect order. That's the moment. That's cut there. That's the punchline. That's all you have to do is cut there. Right. So I think that there was a, a director, uh, and even particular. though it's saving her in that moment, the the funny is that she's annoyed about it. You know. Right. Right. So they, I think it was unfortunately the writers didn't make the rules clear for what 
how her character was existing in this world because uh-huh. I think that would have helped them write jokes. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, um, but she was wonderful. Rebel Wilson. Yeah, yeah. I thought she. No matter the joke, I felt yeah. like she she tried her darndest to make everything work. You know what I saw this as? As far as, like, why did she do this movie? Uh-huh. I saw this as a, her transition from girl who gets hurt, like, fat girl who gets hurt in uh, raunchy comedies to uh, a actor who can perform in a, a different type of role. Yeah. <laughs> because the first, like, uh, ten minutes is just her doing that. And then... In the romantic comedy world, she she does fall, and uh, you know do slapstick stuff, but it's far less often. Yeah, and um, they try to justify it by yeah. saying like that always happens in yeah. romantic comedies, which it often does. And they give they give her some moments to do some emotional scenes that I don't think I've ever seen her do before. And I like that she looks good before she's in the like beautiful land right. you know like she's like airbrushed when she you know she like wakes up airbrushed when she's in the yeah. romantic comedy land but before that she look you know they they're not making her out to be a clown right which i was afraid of in the uh, beginning i um you know she ha- she has like low self esteem or right. some insecurities but yeah they make it about her not having boundaries with work yeah which i that's i think my favorite part about the messaging was yeah that, i agree uh it's not just about how you look, but about how you let people treat you. <laughs> right. Um, I think that that's a that's something that it was important to not just have it be like it's what's inside that counts, and make that seem like it's deeper than it is. It it actually grapples with a very real idea, uh, which I know you grapple with as well, which is like how how do I protect myself in work situations and, uh-huh. and life. Oh my gosh, you know? yes. So right. I, I found that to be sort of a much more substantial uh, thematic point than, than what I was ever expecting. Yeah, I agree. And I and I appreciated the twist of, you know, her coming in to the church and she's going to say, I love, I love you. And instead it's, I love me. Yeah. You know, okay, so that's heavy handed, but... When she's in the rom-com universe... Yeah, it works. You're ready for it. Yeah. So you're happy. That's very satisfying. Yeah. You know, like, oh, heck, go get married. I don't care. <laughs> I would argue that that was less heavy-handed than what happens in the well, real world later. Well, that's my point. Yeah. So then... <laughs> Sorry. She comes... So like that, I'm like, fine with. And then, why can't... Why did they make the ending a romantic comedy? Yeah. And, and a worse one. Yeah. <laughs> Where, you know, with her, like, speech at the end about the garage... Right. ...was so heavy-handed, I almost couldn't bear it. Like, I wouldn't have minded if she confirms with that guy, like, let's go out with her... So you don't like that they kiss, or what... No, so- I don't mind that. I guess I'm I'm with you that I... Or this is what I would have rather, that scene go... The, the like, pitch. So I like when she comes in and she's like, no... I've got too much stuff to do. You throw away your own stuff. Uh-huh. Like, you fix the printer. That's your job, yeah. not mine. And then she goes into her meeting. And I like that she confidently pitches. Yeah. But I but I don't need the whole room to be like, wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, one, take out the the heavy-handedness with that, with that monologue. Because in real life, that isn't a good pitch. That's a weird pitch yeah. for a garage. So <laughs> have her just do a good job pitching a garage, uh-huh. you know, where, like, it would be believable that they'd all be like, wow, she's 
it's just a garage, but she's actually, or a parking lot, uh-huh. but she's pretty darn confident and yeah. we're all taken aback by it and great job. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. She just yeah. did a great job. She stood up for herself. She did a great job. <laughs> and we can imagine that like they will go along with that and then maybe give her some more things. Like we don't need to see a room full of people being like, whoa, Yeah. I don't know. After a, a bad monologue, a bad pitch. <laughs> right. It's also awkward that we never actually see what she's pitching. So we're just relying on her <laughs> describing in very vague terms what, what it is that people are seeing. Um, it, it just feels like, yeah. No one picked, wanted to do the research. Yeah, they picked do you architect. Have any vocab? They picked architect and they're just like, <laughs> but like, people don't know about architecture, so we don't even care about what it is. We just need to like get the metaphor in there somehow. somehow. Right. A good director will be able to show us that she is confidently pitching a good, good right, garage. Right, right. Um, yeah, it was just... Uh, and, uh, you know, if there was, like, a hint of the, like, of the message, you know, of her making some sort of realization in the pitch, okay, fine. But it was, it was too much. Yeah. I do have to say, other than the n- n- writing numbers on the flower petals, my absolute favorite, favorite moment is at the end and during the dance... If you decide to watch this film, everybody, (laughs) watch carefully. There is a dance number at the end, and an average, like, background dancer guy in a maroon polo shirt and khakis, and he does the most amazing high kick I have ever seen. (laughs) It's amazing. I wanted to rewind and watch him do that over and over. And then he has another moment where he does like an amazing back bend. But it's in a wide shot, so Uh but of course I'm just seeking him out in every single wide shot after that. So anyway, I did really like the culminating yeah. Dance number. Yeah, I did too. That was very entertaining. I want to say that uh, I am always wowed by Betty Gilpin, who is in uh, Glow and Nurse Jackie. I adore her. She was really great in this. It shows uh, her incredible range because she, in this, um, plays like a. Um, like when she's not in the romantic comedy land, right. she plays a kind of awkward, quirky somewhat homely looking woman and I was amazed that she did it very very well because she's a strikingly beautiful woman yes she did and she just was able to very like through body language yeah they frumped her up but not very much just a tiny bit um that I was just that that I guess um impressed upon me how much you know whatever these intangible things are that are about like our nonverbals and yeah Mm -hmm. body language how you carry yourself like that that those are you know, so uh, dependent on on yeah, either uh, what we think of ourselves or uh, how aware we are of what we're doing. Like people who have these unconscious ticks, like she clearly is completely self aware and is able to harness every little thing that her face or body does yeah. to create the character. So yeah, yeah. that I think this this movie in particular just cemented how much an awe I am of her as a performer. Yeah, she was awesome. I also want to say it was really nice to see the 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 Josh character. What's that act? Do you know that actor's name by any chance? Adam Devine. He usually plays like a really turn turn up the volume, ridiculous character. Yeah, like from Workaholics. So I enjoyed seeing him 
very capable of playing just a very lovable, yeah, charming guy, love interest kind of character. Yeah, and he did a great job with that. So that kind of nice. like, um, kind of like Bill Hader in uh, Trainwreck. I feel like. Oh, that's hard to compare. I, be- I just mean, I just mean that it, <laughs> going from like pure, so pure comedy sketch yes, character yes, yes. to uh, someone who can do a little bit of emotional chops and uh, isn't just mugging the whole time, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, and I feel like it's it's like I I can just imagine agents pitching these roles to these actors being like, okay, so you know how you told me you wanted to get into dramatic stuff? You can't just do dramatic stuff like zero to 60 you have to do a transitional role like this because mm-hmm. you know uh, Bill Hader doing Barry now I would say that's a dramatic role with mm-hmm. comedy mm-hmm. aspects to it um, but I think Trainwreck was an essential oh my like, gosh midpoint between Bill you know, Hader SNL in terms of like what the audience expects from them, you know? I found him so surprisingly charm. oh my gosh I think he knocked it out of the park yeah I agree so that's why I'm saying it's hard to compare the two yeah and then the the like romantic comedy love interest guy, who's an just one of those like oh, uh, Liam, all blonde white guys look Liam alike Hemsworth. to me. <laughs> He's uh, Chris Hemsworth. He's <laughs> Thor's brother. He's Thor's brother. Yeah. Wait, what? And in, in, so, Chris Hemsworth is Thor. This was Liam Hemsworth. Oh. So it's his real life brother. His real life brother. Yes. I was like, Loki is not played by this character. <laughs> I am not that dumb. He's also, um, he's oh, also, because uh, I just Katniss's think, like, uh, love interest in uh, the Hunger Games. Oh. <laughs> is that a good impression of you? No. Okay, I need to work on my acting. Uh, like, I need to be able to do the <laughs> Betty Gilpin with uh, my impressions. He just got lumped into the category of Chris Evans and yeah. All of those, right? All those guys that I can't keep straight. <clears throat> um, I did really enjoy the um, coming down hard on the '90s gay stereotypes uh-huh. in romantic comedies. That was very satisfying writing. I thought, yeah, but then it just kept continuing for a while, and so it felt like they were starting to play into it, <laughs> like reinforce it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it was funny. <laughs> yeah. At times. Right. So I think yeah. that this movie kind of struggled with, yeah, like, is it lampooning or is it participating? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thought he was doing a good job of doing it, and it already is such an exaggerated character, and I think that actor, like, did it even more. You yeah. know, like, when he it gets excited about, like, a makeover, say. Yeah. Like, he, he was good at parodying. Right. How ridiculous it is that the friend gets that excited about right. a makeover. So I feel like he did a he he did well. Yeah. Well, let's reevaluate. Okay. Me, me talking about it all this makes me want to go higher. But while I was watching it, it wasn't wasn't more than a five. Yeah. It was. <laughs> it's it's one that because the concept is good. It. It leaves, at least in this, whatever, 20 minutes later moment, a positive impression. But I, I laughed very rarely during that movie. And I was just kind of, I was, in, a rare, in a rare experience for me, I was waiting for the musical numbers. <laughs> ah, right. So that's a weird thing. I'm going to, gonna, because I think you make a really fair point that this is a PG-13 movie uh-huh. that I don't think was geared 100% towards me. I think it was geared towards high school age-ish. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go up to a six, I think, because mm-hmm. I think 
that age group. I'm not trying to make them sound like they're dumb and can't enjoy things on the same level as me. But but I think writing for that age group is a little bit different. Um, and so therefore, some of the jokes, I think if I was trying to imagine myself as a high schooler watching it or a, a middle schooler, I probably would have enjoyed that. I that now as an adult, I yeah. can't. So I'm going to I'm going to go up a little bit. I will remain at 5.5. I'm I'm equally pulled in either direction mm-hmm. by our conversation. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great. Good convo, good convo. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't that our like, catchphrase? <laughs> <laughs> this is a good convocation. Good convocation topic. All right, everybody, have good days and nights and afternoons. Have good days and nights. Mm-hmm.